When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome once again to the latest Blakey's Bootroom podcast from Wales Online. It's been a busy week, plenty of transfer ins and outs, not to mention the small matter of FA Cup defeat against Fulham. Uh, Nathan Blake and Paul Abandonato are here to discuss all that. And let's start with the uh, the FA Cup, Nathan. Let's start maybe with a big talking point, which maybe wasn't the, the quality of the football itself, which was pretty poor. But the crowd, uh, lots of people have had their say. Gary Lineker, et al., what was it, 5,000-odd? Yeah, just over 5,000, yeah. We thought, we said last week we thought it would be a poor crowd. Did you think it would be that poor? Is that no, I didn't think it'd be down there, to be honest with you. It always I, looks worse on the telly as well, didn't it? It looks <laughs> absolutely terrible, doesn't it? Uh, I thought it would maybe get... You know, the likes of maybe eight or nine, I thought, maybe ten. But uh, <laughs> I giggled because uh, of how it looked on TV. It, it did look bad. Was that one of the crowds back in your day? Uh, it, it was, actually. It was one of the, remember the 2000s, Paul? Remember those days? Yes, and if the rugby internationals on, it was, it was a bit less. I think the lowest I played in front was about two and a half, two, three, something like that. I remember three in the Empire. Yeah. Not two, I, I, so, I, I think it was two, three. It might have been three, two. I might have anyway, it still, still a good atmosphere with Cardiff fans. It was always a good fan. Yeah. It was always a good atmosphere. But in that stadium on Sunday, mm. yeah, it was, uh, well. Funerary, funeral AX. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty poor. Yeah, I mean, Cardiff City fans had a bit of criticism didn't they from uh, people maybe not fully clued up on the facts of the thing I mean it was just basically down to BBC scheduling half past 11 in the morning as much as anything uh, I think there were a combination of factors you're talking about Andy Powell the, the I couldn't Andy Powell the former Ooh. Wales and Lions rugby player who went online calling Cardiff uh, went on Twitter calling Cardiff City fans the worst ever and at least Swansea fans were loyal so okay. talk <laughs> about a double whammy um, yeah. I'm surprised at Powell because you know, he used to play for Cardiff Blues for five years and lots of Cardiff City fans would have supported him. So he should have known better than make a comment like that. Yeah, look, it was down to the 11.30 a.m. kickoff time. Um, if that game was played at three o'clock on a Saturday, my guess it would have been double that gate. Mm. Neil Warnock didn't help matters by basically <laughs> saying he was going to play a second string. As mm-hmm. it happens, it wasn't a complete second string, but he clearly wasn't prioritising the match. The fact that it was Cardiff v Fulham and had the feel of a championship game rather than a David v Goliath FA Cup game was another reason. Mm-hmm. So there was a combination of factors. But look, come on, which football matches in this country kick off at 11.30am? Mm-hmm. It is what it is. These are modern day TV schedules. Mm-hmm. I remember going to, I think it was a Cardiff Swansea game that kicked off at noon at Ninian Park seven or eight years ago. Um, and that seemed ridiculously early. But 11.30am, what chance did Fulham fans come have to get down here? It was a Sunday, the transport links are not great from the valleys at that time in the morning on mm. a Sunday. I know that myself because I come, come down on one of those lines myself on the train. So all of those things... And let's be fair, the club's not in great shape anyway. So it's not like the fans have been for the last two years bouncing and absolutely adoring the club and everything. So... They're at that point now where it's the perfect, perfect time to say, well, I'm not going down for that. But what I would say is I have spoken mm-hmm. to the club hierarchy and they are quite defensive of it. Mm-hmm. They stand by their decision. I'm not sure how much money they made. 
Um, but they obviously feel enough money was made to offset the loss in potential gate revenue. I think what made matters worse, and this is what didn't help when people like Gary Lineker jumped on the bandwagon, is because at other games up and down the land, you saw rip-roaring atmospheres, fantastic crowds, even at the smaller venues. Mm. Um, and Cardiff stood out like a sore thumb, yeah. as almost like a standalone, almost like the one... Well, it was. It was just the one... They, it was the only crowd... For me, I think it was what twenty odd games, twenty five games. The whole Swansea was similar, wasn't it? Yeah, but for me, it, it was the one. Hull wasn't as bad, I didn't think. But for me, it it did it did highlight Cardiff as being pretty poor in atmosphere. Yeah. But I do come back. It was a combination of factors. One of the points Andy Powell did make was, if this was Man U, wouldn't Cardiff fans have turned out? Yeah, they would. It would have been a 35,000 sellout. Yeah. For a start, Man United would have sold out their 20% allocation. Absolutely. They would have had to open the upper tier. It would have done because yeah. that's what the glamour of the cup's about. So the Fulham factor didn't help in that respect. Mm. They're not the most glamorous of opposition to have had at this stage. Mm. But I still maintain, if it was a Saturday afternoon, normal kickoff time, They'd be a fight figure yeah. that game. Yeah, it would be a and it wouldn't appear quite so bad. Mm. But it's done and dusted. Disappointed Cardiff throughout the FA Cup. You know, people say, oh, they can concentrate on the league now, which is a cliche. But, oh, I love you know, the it's, FA only, Cup. it's only eight years ago Cardiff City got to the final, final of the mm. competition, you know? Um, and it's easy to forget that, see? Mm. You know, success doesn't come along too often in football. So, mm. when the opportunity's there, you've got to take it. And for me, I thought. It was a perfect opportunity for Cardiff in their current situation. You know, okay, you might say they're not going to go and win it, but rather than think, oh, it's an extra game, mm. I thought it was a prime opportunity for some of those who played as well to go on and say, well, this this helps with confidence. You yeah. know, if you win yeah. the game against Fulham and then say go and draw a Man United or something like that and happen to beat them, it's not just financially you're looking at uh, a massive incentive. It's just like, you know, the fact of who you might meet in the next round. Mm, well, I don't know it's on the draw. It was, it's Hull v Fulham, isn't it? Could have been Swansea v Cardiff. If mm-hmm. they'd, uh, they'd gone <laughs> Which would have been that, nice. That would have been a 9.30am. Now that would have sold the stadium out. I yeah. guarantee you that. Yeah, whatever yeah. kick-off time, whatever day of the game. Indeed. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the quality of the, the game and the football and the performances from the players who were selected was, it was befitting of the crowd, really. It, it was a... It was a big opportunity. It was almost a trial match, wasn't it, for some of these fringe players, particularly you know your Emmy, your Hughes of this world, who haven't had an opportunity, and none of them. They were poor. Justice. They were poor. Uh, I thought um, they got stuck between uh, like a rock and a hard place. Cardiff did. They were watching on TV, so the the front three were trying to press, not very well, but they were trying to press. But then the midfield weren't pressing behind them. So what was happening is Fulham would have the ball at the back, the front three of Cardiff would try and press, the defenders would pass it into midfield, mm. the Fulham midfield who would drop. But then Cardiff's midfield, rather than run forward and press, they would drop, thinking we don't want the ball over the top. So it was a massive gap for the Fulham players midfield to just pass pass. And it looked so it looked terrible. It did look like a training game at the mm. end of the day to me with the atmosphere with the amount of fans in there it was like watching a, a 21s or 23s match so uh, I just felt like Cardiff didn't do one thing or other they didn't press and they, they, they didn't counter attack uh, they didn't sit, sit deep enough because their front three were too high 
So I thought they kind of played right into Fulham's hands. And as we know, Fulham are a very fo- good footballing team, but they're so young. Mm. You know, they've got a lot of youngsters in their, in their team and in their starting eleven. So, but but I thought why, they were fantastic. Why didn't Cardiff press? That's fundamental basics, what you're saying. I don't if, know, if mate. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm looking at the one reason maybe because there's different players involved, but they should all understand, not when in training, just because I'm not in the starting eleven doesn't mean to say I don't watch or I'm not I'm playing in the opposition eleven on a practice match. I still watch what the gaffer is asking of the front three, the midfield three, the full-backs. Because, you know, if I'm in midfield, a midfield player, I might have to, someone might go down in the warm or anything, so I have to go in. So, I don't know. I don't know whether it was a tactical thing that they got caught in between or it was just the players just weren't at it. But judging from um, my view, it looked like that they just weren't at it. Mm. As as that. It was just nothing about the game that excited you. Yeah, what about any of Hughes then, Paul? Maybe not fair to pick pick out one player from a from a bad bunch all round, but I know he was one you you were looking forward to see have an opportunity. I was. Um, I've said I said on the room last week that I rate Emma Hughes highly. I've seen him have superb games for Wales at the highest level, score goals. And Blakey and I agree. He he seems to be one of these midfielders who has an awful lot of attributes to his game. He he's got presence. He can tackle. He can head the ball. He can score goals. He's got a great athleticism and energy and this was his opportunity to put down a marker to Warnock and show those of us who have seen him behind the scenes at the Wales sort of age grade setup and, and above that he's got something about him uh, he wasn't on Man City's books for no reason but it didn't even begin to happen too many passes went astray from him he failed to impose himself on the game offensively or defensively and to be honest with you it was a bit of a Passenger, I don't think I'm putting it too strongly. No, 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 I, I can't it disagree. Really, really disappointing. Really yeah. disappointing. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. I, I, I think the problem was they tried to play too quickly, Cardiff. And what I mean by that is, if you look at Fulham, if you watch the game, Fulham had a lot of possession, right? But then when when they would lose possession to Cardiff, Cardiff were almost trying to get the ball in Fulham's box within one pass. So they weren't saying, okay, now you've had it for, you know, two, three minutes. I tell you what, let us keep it for a bit. Back to our keeper, out to the full backs and blah, 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 to build a bit of confidence. Because even though Fulham were pressing, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to play. You've got to be able to pass the ball to one another and keep the ball a bit. And I just thought what they'd done was everything was just too rushed, basically. As soon as they got possession, they were looking for one pass up to Lambert or one pass up to, you know, Harris and then expecting, right, unlock the door, goal. You know, it, 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 was, it was almost like um, naive mm. in the way they, uh, they were playing. And like I said, they were caught between two stools. So for me, like, the only player that had done anything uh, was, was Bamba. I thought he was very good again. Mm. <laughs> Man of the match by a street, yeah. country mile. And um, the rest of them, I wouldn't single anyone out saying he was worse than him, but I just thought, all round, the other players' performance level was was way way down. The other one, the be. other one who I will single one other one out. The other one who really disappointed me was Anthony Pilkington. He's another one I think very highly of. I think he's got terrific ability. He's played in the Premier League. Sometimes he looks fantastic for Cardiff, but other times he looks anonymous. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was his big opportunity to 
really put a statement down and tell Neil Warnock he needs to be in his first choice 11, but that didn't happen either. Um, despite the goal, my colleague Jack Vittles, who covered the game, I thought summed it up perfectly in his match report, and, it, and he said something along the lines of that the one thing Warnock learned above anything else that is, he, is that he is getting his League 11 selection spot on. Hmm. Mm. Read what you wanted to that, but mm. I thought that was quite an apt point, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, the the quality of depth. If you're looking at that team and saying right, the depth of Cardiff squad, you wouldn't. And I'm, I always talk from a position of trying to win the championship. I'm not talking about surviving or mid table. I'm talking to win it. If you look at the, those players and how they performed, and we, we don't want to get caught up on one game because there was different circumstances involved. I think, but. If you look at how they played, some of the players, they didn't do themselves any favour. If you look and even at the, at the squad situation, they were pretty poor. Uh, I couldn't understand. I couldn't, you know, Neil Warnock looked like he was spitting feathers. Like he, mm. he did have the old angry eyebrows way up on top of his forehead and, you know, red face was going <laughs> redder and redder. And I just thought he's going to chew some heads off in the dressing room because, yeah. you know, it's kind of unacceptable. There was no real reason for that level of performance. You know, okay, the crowd is what it is. You know, but there's an FA Cup. There is an FA Cup game. Yeah, exactly. It's not yeah. a 23s game. No. And Bamba was able to maintain a level. Mm -hmm. So you look at like the likes of Rawls and Pilkington, and, and you think to yourself, "Well, come on, fellas, where, where was where is it?" Mm -hmm. Okay, but ahead of the game, there was uh, quite a bit of transfer news on. Uh, Friday from Neil Warnock. A couple yeah. of ins are pretty major. Let's, let's start with the ins and, and maybe the the most senior of them, Greg Halford, who, who featured on the weekend. What do you make of that signing and what, what you've seen from him? Well, obviously, sorry, Paul. Obviously, uh, Neil Warnock's worked with him at, at Rotherham and has seen things that he feels that he needs for his squad. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily as a starter. And he, he, he's, he can play pretty much a utility anywhere, player, think, right? Yeah. So he's got the luxury of having that, but he was poor. He, he was poor. He, you know, he he looked out of place. If mm. I'm totally honest, but I would say that's probably a lot to do with nervous energy. First game, mm. regardless that there's no crowd there, everything was getting highlighted a bit more because you could hear shouts. So, you know, a couple of times he gave simple passes away, coming mm. to him on a volley, simple pass to his mate, gave it away to the opposition. So he was poor, but. I wouldn't, you know, I never judge on just a game or two, you know, it does take, uh, plenty of people have gone in for a season and had a stinker and the following season been out of this world, so I'm not saying he's going to be out of this world, but I, I, I think he'll get better, a lot mm. better. Yeah, how much better do you think he'll get, because Neil Warnock made a point of saying he wants to bring in players who are better than the ones he's already got, has, has he done that in Greg Halford? I mean, he's had a lot of clubs, Greg Halford, hasn't he? I have to say, he's 12 championship clubs or something like that. I use the word in inverted commas, but it's got a journeyman feel to it for me, I'm afraid. Um, given that he's been at so many clubs down the years, played in so many positions. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, that, maybe, that's, maybe that's hindered him. Maybe think, him thinking, maybe that's something like, you know, we love to give advice on the boot room. People take it or you leave it. Maybe that's hindered him. Mm. He's thinking I'm a utility player and I can play anywhere and everywhere. And actually, money spent on him. He's well, actually, maybe the truth is you can't. Maybe you need to think to yourself, I'm either playing here or there. And okay, if the manager tells me to play here, 
and play there and play there and play there. That's a different matter. But rather than sell yourself as this utility player who can play anywhere, because he's quite happy to take that label, I would say maybe he needs to focus on really saying, right, I'm going to play as a holding midfielder or a right back or a centre back, and I might cover right back, but that's about it. Because uh, still not a signing that floats my boat, mate. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. You got to remember, it's not so long ago we were celebrating signings of people like. Craig Bellamy, Aaron Ramsey coming back on loan, not Madell. so far back. You know, James, sorry, Jay Bothroyd and Michael Chopper, and they're not too distant past. Madell, Jordan Much. You know, these are good players, mm. and I suppose maybe it's a legacy of where we are at this moment in time with Cardiff City, FC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about the young kid who's come up front, Ibrahim Maite? Maite, well, it? he's got a hell of a record at Harrow, I think. Mm, Harrow, um, yeah, I think he scored 15 in. 15 in, in 28 or 30, something like that. So he's got a very good goal-scoring record. Hey, it's a roll of the dice, you know. I think, as we've seen with players like some of these players today, you know, Immers and, and, and people like that, and Zaha, they've come in and haven't worked out. So, you know, what I hope with someone like Mete is that his hunger and his desire is, you know way outweighs the other youngsters and what have you and those around Cardiff City which might just make him that desire might just push him ahead of uh, some people but um, again I don't want to be the doom let's and gloom. see what happens I don't want to be the doom and gloom merchant but Owen Doyle came here with a hell of a scoring record and could never cut it at championship level mm. so this kid sounds younger more hungry mm-hmm. so let's give him a chance and see what he can do mm-hmm. I'm not enthused by these signings so far, I've got to no, say. No, not signed yet, but certain, certainly somebody who they are talking to, Johnny Hayes, the Aberdeen winger, does that does put, put him in the same box for you, Paul? Well, a winger has always got you know, an element of flair to him, hasn't he? I think wingers, as Nathan would know, uh, apart from when he was playing, of course, and was ultra-consistent, wingers are in a, a flitting and out. Craig Noon on his day can look a world-beater. I've seen him play against Manchester City, have a blinder against Wolves them. last season. Yeah. Out of um, this world. But on more occasions than that, he's anonymous. Mm. Um, I, You know, with Noon and Pilkington and Hoylett, I'm not sure that's an area that Neil Warnock needs to strengthen his team, to be honest with you. I think there are other areas. I'd like to see a really creative number 10 come into that side and offer, offer flair. Um, just behind the front man but again <laughs> would you go for that so you had Gunnison and O'Keefe next to each other and then a, a real flair player number 10 in front of them so you had like two holders who've got dogs of war mm. and then a flair player and then you'd also be able to use Whittingham sparingly look after him a bit more in that number 10 role yeah, as well I, think I, I, I do I, I, he doesn't want the number 10 does he that's the part of the reason why Lex Simmons is gone isn't it well it would appear so but you know I think of I, you know Lex Warnock, was just not on fire though was he Warnock's, Warnock's most out. famous team for me was his QPR team that were neck and neck with Cardiff City for promotion for a long time in 2010 was it and you had what's his name playing for him and he had Adel Adel Tarap playing you know he got more out of Adel Tarap than any other manager that I've seen including Harry Redknapp who's Mm -hmm. supposed to be the master of man management 
So he clearly does have scope for that sort of individual in this mm. team, whether they're playing wide or in the 10 role, if you like. Mm. Um, he clearly knew how to get the best out of Tarot. So I remember him coming to Cardiff City Stadium and scoring two goals against the Cardiff team that included Fothroy, Chopra, Bellamy, Whittingham, all the big hitters. You know, it was because of Tarot that QPR got a 2-2 draw and a mm. cracker of a game that day. Um, so it's not that he's against it, but he clearly hasn't identified that individual as a must-have for this Priority, Cardiff team yeah. at the moment. You know, mm. Mm. Just explain the, the Lex Immers situation. I've seen a few people mention it. Left on Friday, signed for Champions League uh, Club Bruges Saturday, scored on his debut yesterday. Yet no no fee was received or even attempted to be received. You know, could they not have sold Leximers for a bit of money? Well, their argument is no. Um, should be pointed out that it was a friendly he scored in for what it's worth. Um, and unless I'm wrong at this, I don't think Bruges are through to the Champions League knockout stages, are they? But nonetheless, I do get the point you're making. Listen, I thought Lex Simmers was a decent player. He came in last season, I think he scored two in his first three games. He looked a capable player. He could play nine, he could play ten. He lacked pace, but he was one of those players who had it in the head speed of thought yeah you know this cliche first five yards in the head he was the one who seemed seemed to have that he could hold the ball up he quickly became a fan's favourite and when Warnock came in I thought he's not he's not the sort of player who's going to fit into the Warnock game plan but I think he came on in the first game against Bristol City and put in an incredible shift as a substitute so I thought Warnock's going to get the best out of him as well Um, but he's barely featured since and, Mm. and has gone their argument is that he as of an age where they weren't going to get money for him. Let's be fair. Let's at look, least, let's, at look least. At, let's look at pre-Warnock. Let's just look at Cardiff's transfer dealing and how you know you can go to Marshall. You sell him at the worst time. You know what I mean? Heaton, you sell him, but no real money. Is it? You know, I think that's where you, what you what you're highlighting, John, is the inexperience of Cardiff's. You know, upper echelons. They, they, I don't think there's been a player that has come in in the last four, five, six years who's come in who has been, a, let's say, a League One stroke championship player who's then been bought by a bigger Premier League club and sold, or they've done deals that bought him from Scotland or him from Norway or him from, and sold him on. You know. Even the British-based players, they struggle to make any sort of money on. It just seems to be there is no, there's no, there's this transfer committee they've got, but clearly it's it's not worth the papers written on because I can't tell you what I would perceive to be that's great business. Last time I said that about Cardiff City. Mm, I don't know. I think the change of managers doesn't help on this because Absolutely. because it's been made abundantly clear to me that this is Neil Warnock's decision. It's not a transfer committee decision. It's Neil Warnock's decision. He doesn't fit into Warnock's plan. He clearly did fit into Cardiff's plan with Warnock's predecessor or whatever the transfer committee determined. When was it a year ago? Mm-hmm. So the change of manager. Manager wants his own individuals in there. Um, you can't say there's a lack of expertise at that level because you've got Neil Warnock but yeah but I don't think it's Warnock's job and and this is part of the problem this is what I've said before right so Neil Warnock's job is the team Mm -hmm. right 
and transfers, he might say, yeah, I like him and I like him, but and I don't want him and I don't want him. But that is then the job of the chief exec, the transfer committee, the board, what have you, is to run those that side of the game. Now, I've said they might lean on Neil Warnock for some expertise and some knowledge and what have you, but they don't say hand him the reins because if Neil Warnock decides at the end of the season, do you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to retire or I'm not going to go on to another club. I, you know, I've just, just about had enough because things change very rapidly in football. If he decides that, what you've done is give Neil complete control and then now you're going to have another manager coming in who you're going to have to say, right, what do we do with this manager? Do we give him complete control? The club have to have some sort of, it has to function in a certain way. It has mm. to take accountability for certain decisions. You know, this day and age, no manager has complete control over everything. That's just a thing of the past. So my thing is the club need more people who understand what they should be doing within the transfer committee. And it's okay saying, oh yeah, I know him and I know him, but do you know what a player looks like? Do you know what kind of players you're looking for? Do you know what kind of philosophy your club is playing to? And these are questions that seem to never get answered because we change the manager and we follow whatever that manager's philosophy is. We follow, and I've always said and will always say, you've got to have your own philosophy of what you want as a club, a board of directors, a chairman, an owner, a CEO. You've got to have an idea. If, if you haven't got a plan, what's the point? You've got to have an idea of what you want. I can't, I can't. And then you bring in what fits into it. But the problem here, and this is the fundamental problem for me, if you don't know what it is you want and you don't know how to get what you want, you're always going to hand responsibility, accountability off to everybody else. And I feel, and I wouldn't include Warnock and his team in this, I've always felt that Cardiff are very much, they talk a great game, but they deliver very, very little. Very, very little. If you look over the last four, five, six years, the amount of players who have come in and then left had like three months. You know, and I'm talking not massive names, but good, big name players who've had good careers at other championship clubs. Mm. There's a fundamental problem at Cardiff and it will maintain until those at the top get an understanding of the game or bring people in who understand the game. Because at the moment, what happens is they create a problem and then they have to put that fire out and put this fire out and put this fire out and then they think, right, I'll chuck some money here and that'll solve those three problems. But you've chucked it in the wrong area so it doesn't solve the problem. And then like a dog constantly chasing his tail. They, they never, you're never going to get to a level playing field because you, you, you're constantly pulling out fires that effectively you've started by your decision making. Well, that's beautifully put in many ways. Um, they did have a philosophy in the summer. They wanted to go Welsh, younger players, bring young Welsh players through, sell them on in due course for big money, no doubt. Um, but of course, they then got rid of Paul Trollope pretty much mm. weeks after appointing him. And so again, you've got a situation where 
the decisions we made to give him the job mm. to go with this philosophy. Mm-hmm. It lasted what two months. So three, it's not a philosophy. That's what I mean, Paul. It's not really a philosophy. And where do you get what? What, what kind of philosophy would that be? Welsh, young. So what happens if you've got five players in your academy who are English? We've brought in from the likes of Bristol or Exeter or surrounding places, or they've moved to the area. What's, what are you going to say? Well, you're not Welsh, so yeah, yeah. And, you know the philosophy should be: I don't care what nationality you are, you've got to play to this sort of level, this kind of way. This is what I want from you tactically. I've brought you here for these skills, and I expect you to deliver them every Saturday, or at least nine out of ten Saturdays. To then start what you basically what they've basically done, Cardiff, and Paul may or may not agree, but I think he will. What they've basically done is jump on the Wales international bandwagon yeah. and said, "We'll build it around that." Well, like I said from day one, when Paul Trollope come in and said, "We're going to play the Wales way." You cannot play the Wales way without Gareth Bale. And Gareth Bale isn't at Cardiff City. And Aaron Ramsey isn't at Cardiff City. And Ashley Williams isn't at Cardiff City. So there is, you've got a fundamental problem that the the way you want to play, you don't have the players that suit that. You want to play the Wales way, which is counter-attack. Cardiff have had the slowest, one of the slowest teams in the league for how many years we've been saying it. So And then you don't go and sign players of that ilk who were, you know, frighteningly quick. And the one quick player who you had in your squad, Kadeem Harris, you didn't play anyway. So how are you playing the Wales way? It doesn't make sense. It's just talk. It's rhetoric. Calm Thank down. you very much. Calm down, Blakey. You know what I mean? It's not a bad principle, is it? <laughs> it's uh, not a bad principle. City club and the national team should dovetail for one another, No, they? no, no, no. You've got your own identity. So what we're saying is that the Capital City Club dovetails the international team. What happens when they were poor? Do we dovetail them only when they're good and not when they're bad? And I just think that you have your own identity as a club and you follow that. It's as simple as that. Trying to copy him or her or that or this or this. So what? So what's to me? That don't make sense. See, see, to me, Warnock is a sort of manager, a bit like Dave Jones was as Cardiff manager. Uh, a bit like the likes of Harry Redknapp. Warnock is the sort of manager who will want experienced players in his team. And you can understand why, mm-hmm. yeah? Um, it's the opposite, if you like, of other managers like Pochettino. Mm-hmm. Toshat when he was with Wales, who are prepared to go for youth and build up that way. Mm. Um, so I'm just trying to think back. Dave Jones brought in a lot of players who were older. Mm. Warnock's bringing in the likes of Greg Halford. Where's the planning for the future? I don't now? know what Where's the plan is for Cardiff's future. I honestly, Paul, I can honestly hand on heart and tell you, if you said to me, if you're asking me the question, where are they going in the future? I do not know. Because I thought, and I said this also on the boot room, the January could make or break us. And it doesn't seem like there are the transfer funds available that maybe with, we all thought were going to be available when Neil Warnock first came in. Would you agree with that? Hence why the calibre, quality of player isn't what most of us thought was going to be a lot higher standard. Mm. It seems to be he's having to generate, hence Lex Immers, generate his own funds. And that might be simply by not receiving a fee, just getting them off the wage bill, 
which allows us then, like I said before, if you've got 10 youngsters on a thousand pound a week, that's 10 grand a week. If I'm not using any of them, and I don't look like I'm going to use any of them, it's wasted money, it's dead money. I may as well get rid and go and buy another youngster or another senior pro for 10 grand a week, put him on my wage, but who I'm going to play every week or I'm going to utilize weekly. It doesn't make sense. So I think what's happening is, to me, from the outside looking in, there are no funds available or very little. And what funds you generate, you can use outside of that. Unless we see an absolute bargain. No, I'm sorry. And right now, you know, this time of year, if you're looking for a British based player, he's always going to cost you more money. Always. So, and that's where it comes back then down to your philosophy and your planning your structure and your strategy. If you haven't got it all sorted, you're like a dog chasing his tail at the end. You don't know which way you're going. We don't, if I said to you right next year, what's going to happen? We're four, four, five months away from the end of the season. We don't know. We don't know if the manager's going to be here. We don't know if his, his staff are going to take over and he's going to go upstairs. That's been mentioned. We don't know if Blackwell will leave, Jepson will leave and go elsewhere. We, we, we don't know. There's, so, we live and we plan for today. And this is a fault, this is why I say it's a fundamental fault of those in charge of Cardiff City. There's no long-term, mid-term, short-term plan. It's, right, we've made a mistake there. It's taken us a year to admit it was a mistake. So how can we now put that fire out? And what they don't realise is other decisions they've made three months ago, six months ago, seven months ago, while they're putting this fire out, they're now admitting there's a bad mistake, those are catching fire behind them. So they're never planning to go forward because they spend too much time doing things that have from yesterday or the day before, the week before. So it's poor planning, mate. And it's, it's, not, it's not having a good knowledge and understanding of the game and the processes of the game. And I've maintained that for probably two, three years, that's been my opinion. That's all through the red change, all through the CEO business, all through all through the whole lot. It's just poor decision-making, poor planning. And, you know, like I said, most fans, I think that's that would be a part of the reason as well why a lot of fans are staying away and why you have such a poor um, representation on Sunday it's because, you know, people, especially nowadays, you could get away with it in my day, in the 80s and the 90s. You could kind of, like, say a little bit. Now social media and everyone's got an opinion and your opinion is aired publicly to the rest of the world. We all want success yesterday, but we definitely want to know what the plan is to get a success. Don't we? No? A man without a plan is a man without... <laughs> You've got about three Churchillian speeches in one... Uh, <laughs> I'm, not I'm just trying to say, you know, and I spent my whole life in football. I don't know, don't know why I understand the game, but I understand the game. I was taught very well as a child and, I, you know, all the way from my career, I've met some very important people who have, you know, taught me the game, the back of the game. I know directors and what have you, CEOs. I understand the game inside out. Now... The fault at Cardiff is that when you've got someone like Paul, like myself, like yourself, to a degree, John, who understand the game, <laughs> you're then saying, well, well, I'm scratching my head because when I see successful teams, they're not kind of following that kind of path. 
you know, they're not saying, well, we haven't got a long-term, short-term, mid-term plan. We just kind of guess at it. We'll do it tomorrow. Can I just let the listeners know that Paul Abandonato is still here? He hasn't had a word (laughs) in the last few minutes. (laughs) What I would say, and crikey, I say this with a little bit of bated breath, Mm. but I'm almost doing the unthinkable. I defend Vincent Tan to a degree here Mm. because he has spent an awful lot of money on this club. I've said it myself, Paul. Mm -hmm. He will feel, rightly or wrongly, he's been terribly let down by his managers, particularly Malky Mackay and Oligana Solskjaer. Mm And probably once bitten three times shy for him. And that maybe that's why it's been reined in. And that's why we have uninspiring signings like Greg Halford now. Mm-hmm. But I, I've said that. I, I, you can't... I feel for Vincent Tan to a degree. And this is what I would say. But you, then you're, what you're saying is there's no responsibility on your decision making because you've just put the money in. Well, no, you've put the money in and made decisions. And some of those decisions have affected where we are today. So you are part responsible, whether you like it or not. But Even if you weren't involved in the decision-making, you sign everything off. And if you sign everything off trusting those who you've put in place to run your club, then it's incompetence, isn't it? You've trusted people to do a job that they can't do. Now, you should know that. And I've said, and I'll say, and I've said it on other shows... If I was going into media, I would come to you, Paul, and say, right, how does it work, mate? The back of it. Not what I see on the pitch, the back of it. How does it all work? Right? Because I haven't got a great understanding of it. How does it work? What are the potholes? What are, what's good for me? What's bad for me? Right. If you're going to, if you want to play football, you'd come to me, I'd expect, and say, Nave. Oh, my son's going to play football. What are the? What do you think of this? What do you think the club has said this? He's playing here. Do you think that's a good idea? Because I have the experience in I, that. Field. I understand all that, but his argument would be, and I'm not here to speak for Vincent Tan. Mm-hmm. I've got to emphasise, but his argument would be that Malky and Ole were his backstops for that advice, if you like, mm-hmm. and he would argue that there were some fundamental flaws in the decision-making at the time mm. and that he, f- he feels badly let down by it. Yeah, of, of course. But you can't, you can't keep relaying that for why, where you are three years later. And you can't say, I'm, I'm dissolved of any responsibility in decision-making of putting um, Marky Mackay and Ian Moody in charge of that. You can't say I'm not responsible. I've made the decision to put them there. It's a bad decision on my part. Surely I've got to be part responsible. And that's what I say I do. I, I, hand on heart, I've said before on the show, John, have I not? He should be a hero in Cardiff's eyes. An absolute hero of what he spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But they've made poor decisions collectively. And I include, you know, the rest of the board, Mehmet Dahmer, Ken Chu. I, I include them all in that. Because there's this reluctance to accept that we've made bad decisions. And we'll just throw money at it and pretend everything's all right. We can't fool the fan. Can't fool the fan. I think we'll leave that, we'll leave that there before you uh, take up another 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go. go. Okay, let's, finish. Well, let's finish, finish it very briefly then uh, with a game on the weekend. Uh, Bristol City, the type of fixture to get you back into football after that FA Cup debacle, should we say. Uh, predictions, Paul? Cardiff to win. I think that... Um, 
bold call that I know, but they started uh, they started the Warnock reign with a two one win against Bristol City. I think it'll have them really fired up for a seven side derby. I think we'll see far more of an Aston Villa type performance from Cardiff than we saw a Fulham type performance and I've got a feeling they might go there and sneak it 2-1 Bristol are in a terrible run of form they've lost about 8 on the trot they can only draw 0-0 at home to Fleetwood at the weekend they really have bombed um, and a bit of history between two managers as well history between the two managers as well um, <laughs> I I think I think this might be one that kind of sneaking away went on ok you know me, I always go with a win. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Even even if I honestly handle that, think mm, we'll struggle and probably yeah. lose that game. I always go for a win. And what do you really think? Um, I think we do well to get out there with a point. So you think we'll lose? We'll no, no, we'll I think lose. we'll do well to get out there with a point. I think it's hard to judge the form because what you see on Sunday is not what yeah. you're not you're not going to see that Saturday. So. You know, and if you go to the Villa game, then I think we could quite easily go there and win, honestly. But I don't know with the two squads that have played in the last two games. I don't know which one is going to turn up. So, yeah, I still think we'll do well to get a point. So Blake is predicting a draw and sitting firmly on that. Front, so. <laughs> so, so Blake is predicting a two-one win. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chaps, we'll leave it there. I, uh, I think. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thanks for listening. As always. apologies for preaching. Hopefully, I hope you enjoyed the various Nathan Blake speeches. Uh, there, very. Uh, Just very, trying to help. Well, yeah, very good stuff. Very good stuff. We'll, <laughs> we'll be back again for more speeches. Same time next week. Take care.